Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen to today's message from God's Word. I'm not going to read scripture. I'm going to just teach scripture if you don't mind. But get over there around the 8th chapter and you can follow me a little bit. In the 8th chapter of the book of Acts, there was an Ethiopian eunuch that had the power of all the queen's money. And I don't know what influenced him up to the place that he went to Jerusalem to worship from Ethiopia. We're talking about a 200-mile trip in a chariot. And he did go to Jerusalem, and he did go to the temple or somewhere. He didn't get what he was hunting. And I think he might have bought what of the Bible was available because we find him heading back to Ethiopia reading the Bible. He was reading the 53rd Psalm. Philip's in a meeting, and Philip's been preaching, and God's been doing miracles there with Philip. And God speaks to Philip, says, go to the wilderness. There's an Ethiopian unit headed that way. Go help him. Folks, The gospel don't have wings. It doesn't have wheels. I'm not being mean with you. I'm trying to help us, okay? Unless the gospel is carried, it won't be of no benefit. None whatsoever. Philip didn't question God. He didn't tell him, hey, She's of a different nationality, or he's of a different nationality. He didn't argue with God. He lit out and went. And he come up behind the chariot where the Ethiopian unit was riding and reading. And he must have been reading out loud, or maybe Philip just detected he had a book or something in his hands reading. And he's reading the 53rd Psalm, and Philip asked him, Understandest what thou readest. Remember this in your witnessing and trying to help people be, to be saved. Remember this. The natural man receiveth not the things of God. There's no use in you giving a Bible to somebody that, that's not saved. They're not going to get what it means. The Holy Ghost teaches us what we know about the Bible. Amen. Of course, the Ethiopian said, no, don't understand it. Who is that man I'm reading about? And Philip went and got in the chariot. I imagine that chariot was a fancy chariot, him having the position he had. He got up there and come from the, <laughs> come from the Old Testament. People says, the Old Testament's gone. No, uh 
No, here's a man of God, a disciple, takes the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, <laughs> and shows this man Jesus and tells him about Jesus. And they're in the wilderness, they're in the desert. And the Ethiopian wanted to get baptized. And they was right there at the hole of water. And Philip went with him down into the water and baptized him and took off again to somewhere else. That's the eighth chapter. The ninth chapter, you find a man by the name of Saul that was going out persecuting and finding anybody that believes in Jesus and bringing them to Jerusalem. Some of them was beaten. Some of them was even put to death through Saul's efforts. And he's on the road to Damascus to get some more of those Jesus people. God didn't send Philip this time. I thought about that, Brother Steve. Why not? Philip's a Jew, and Philip is a Jesus person. Paul would have, uh, Saul would have arrested him. So God says, I'll take care of this one. Stand back. And God struck him down blind. And you know the story, you can read it there, where he was carried to another man's house, and for three days he didn't eat, and for three days he was blind as a bat, couldn't see. But yet, God sent a man to put his hand on him. And he got his sight back from darkness to light. So there's a Jew. We have an Ethiopian. Now we have a Jew that got saved. Come to the 10th chapter, things are a little different. There's a man there by the name of Cornelius. He was an army man. He, he was over a, a group of soldiers. Yet, the Bible tells us he was a good man. The Bible tells us that he was a devout man. He was one that was uh, very liberal and doing alms. But he was a Gentile. The Jews called him dogs. And he was praying. And God heard his prayers. Now listen to me. I don't want to be mean, don't want to be ugly. But God hears prayer if people are devout about it. This man was lost, yet God heard his prayer. And God saw his arms he did. Amen. It's, hey, even if you might not be saved, it won't hurt you to live right. Amen. In this sin-cursed world we're in, don't join up with the hate God crowd. Amen. Well, you know the story that God told him to send a couple of his men over to a town. I believe it was Joppa. Because Peter was over there. And get Peter and bring him back. 
to Cornelius. Well, Peter's on the housetop praying, and he got hungry. And God let down all kind of animals in something like a sheet folded up like a, and lay it down, and God says, okay, Peter, eat up. He said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. Now, I wouldn't have been as brave as Peter to argue with God. Hello? When God tells you to do something, you just sort of do it. You say, well, somebody might not understand it. God didn't tell you to do it for somebody. He told you to do it to glorify him, to bring honor to him. But God and Peter got the talking back and forth. God told him, said, don't you dare call unclean what I say is clean. Hallelujah. And the, Peter came down off the roof. The men was at the front gate. They met each other and they told him that Cornelius had sent them and that he wanted him to come to his house. They spent the night there, had a meal there, I'm sure, and then they started out to Cornelius' house. Now, this is a Gentile. The gospel hadn't come to the Gentiles yet. This is the first Gentile that gets saved in your Bible. I'm a Gentile. You're a Gentile. Ain't no, anybody in here a Jew? I didn't think so. But the next day they headed out to Cornelius's. And they got there. When Peter walked in, Cornelius bowed at his feet, got down on his feet, and Peter told him to get up. He said, I'm a man like you. We don't worship men. We don't worship idols. We don't worship things. I don't know how many different countries I've been in. We're not on the radio, are we? Live. But I'm going to say it anyhow. I don't know how many countries I've been in that are predominantly Catholic. Mexico, all of Central America, South America. And uh, God impressed me one day with this. Of all the countries I've been in are Catholic-dominated. There's not a one of them a prosperous country. God hates idols. Catholicism is an idol-worshiping people. They have got a statue or something for everything you can think of. And if you'll meet somebody that was once Catholic and ask them that, they'll say you're right. So here he is. Peter's there. Cornelius is there. And Peter asked him, said, why have you sent for me? He said, I've got my family and my friends here. And we're ready to hear what you 
say. Wouldn't you like to have a church like that, brother? They come walking in the front door and say, come on, brother Steve. I want to hear what you got to say. Amen. Most people's got a reject button. That they don't want to hear, they reject. Amen, preacher, preach on, I is. And Peter got before them and said it was a good crowd of many. And he got before them and he told them about Jesus. And he told them that whosoever could be a Christian. And that started the Gentile movement. Amen. Later on, you're going to see Saul as the apostle to the Gentiles. Amen. So there you have three different people, three different nationalities, an Ethiopian, a Jew, and a Gentile. Whosoever. You can't tell the wrong person about Jesus. You can't do a good deed to the wrong person. You say, well, just curse me out. Yep, yep. I had a man out of this church to tell me that one time. He was always asking prayer for his daddy. And I went to him. I said, well, where is your daddy? He told me where he lived in town. I said, well, why don't somebody go tell him about Jesus? He said he cusses them all out and runs them all. I said, what's his address? He gave it to me. And I got in my old Ford truck. Her name's Betsy, if you want to know. We, we've got 287,000 on her. And she's still going. The way they're going to bury me, they're going to dig a big hole. And put me behind the driver's seat and push the truck over in there and pour dirt on me. That's what my kids said was going to happen. So I started praying for the man. Although I'd never met him, I had his address. And one day the Lord says, Carlton, you got his address. Why don't you do something? I said, well, I don't want to be run off, God. I don't, I don't believe I want to be cursed out. Carlton, why do you have his address then? I said, well, I'm praying for it. So me and old Betsy, we didn't speed going. Slowly. Made our way to the front of his house. Had a little old fence around the front yard. The fence was just about that high, probably. And there's a Rottweiler laying there. I talked to dogs. Amen. And I looked at the old Rottweiler. I said, uh, you don't like fat meat, do you? He didn't say nothing. I said, I'm so greasy, it'll make you sick. 
But the man must have heard me. He was inside the house. He must have heard me. And he come out and said, come on in. Said, he, he won't bite. I thought, he's got teeth. But I did. I went in and walked by him. I, I didn't let it, that dog get behind me. Don't ever let a dog get behind you. They'll bite you. And the worst ones in the world is little old chihuahuas. Them things will bite you. I'm speaking from experience. And I, I went on in and got to the door. He said, come on in. He didn't know me. I said, well, I, I think I need to introduce myself, sir. My name's Carlton Allen. And I'm pastor of a certain church. Well, come on. I'm eating a watermelon. You like watermelon? I said, Lord, do I? And me and him sat there and eat a whole watermelon. I didn't say nothing to him. He said, boy, this is good. We got through eating the watermelon. I said, I got to be honest with you. I got to tell you why I come. I said, I'm your son's pastor. And your son has a burden for you. And I come to tell you about Jesus. I'm not here to peddle religion. I'm not here after your money if you got any. I just come to tell you about Jesus. Would it be all right? He said, sure. And I told him about Jesus as best I knew how. And I looked up, the man that was supposed to cuss me out and run me off was crying. Now, I didn't do that. The Holy Ghost of God did that. I don't have that kind of power. And needless to say, we got down in that floor together. And Lord God, we had revival. And I wish I'd have recorded his prayer, but a sensible, easy prayer asking God to forgive him and save his soul. Did he get baptized? Yes, he did. What was his name? You don't need to know. He's in heaven now. I want to conclude my messages and my week here with you with a true story that I give quite often when I'm off preaching revivals or whatever. In Peru, You just, well, Brother Wayne can tell you about it. He's been there. You just can't imagine how poor people are and how nobody in the church there where we started a church had a car. I never saw a wheelbar or anything with wheels on it. None of the boys knew how to ride a bicycle. None of them ever had a bicycle. And Jody had an old bicycle that he had tore all the pieces. And he come to me and asked me, could he go to the market and get the whatever he needed for the bicycle to repair it? And he said, I'm going to carry it to church Saturday afternoon. And he says, uh, teach those boys how to ride a bicycle. I said, well, I want to see that, please. Best rodeo I ever seen. 
But we pulled up in front of the church one Sunday morning, me and my wife and Jody and Julie. And there was two ladies standing there. The doors hadn't been unlocked. And I looked at them and I didn't know them. I said, well, if they're Jehovah Witnesses, they're going to get preached to. And I went up and introduced myself. And one lady says, I'm a Christian. I said, well, great. And she said, I live on the other side of Lima. And I've ridden buses to get here today. But I met this lady in the market. She was selling some stuff. And I was selling some stuff. And we got conversing. And I found out that she was letting Jehovah Witnesses come to her house and have Bible study. And she said, I'm a Christian. And I brought her here so she could hear the truth. I don't know you, preacher, but I want her to hear the truth. I said, good. I preached as normal. No movement on her part. Back that night, she spent all day with her. No movement. And as we dismissed, and I'm standing at the door, the Christian lady said, I'll see you next Sunday, preacher. Next Sunday morning when I got there, there she stood with that other lady. Same thing, no movement. She went out of the door, the Christian lady, and told me, said, I'll see you next Sunday. And she left her family she left her church and paid money to ride a bus or maybe probably more than one bus. She was so far away to get there to bring that woman to church. I forget how long it took, but it took several weeks. And one Sunday morning, God showed up. And the lady got saved. Her name is Magdalena. I told her, when she dies, I want her shoes. I want to put them on another lady. Because I ain't finished with my story. And it's a true story. Better than my preaching, way young better. Magdalena was out bringing her kids to church. She had three children. Her husband never did come until later. Later on, he was a fisherman. He fished at night with a net, not with a pole. And then he sold the fish for income. But finally, Ricardo come to church, and it didn't take long for Ricardo because he was living with that woman It was married. And uh, he saw an example of a Christianity. One Sunday, I don't remember how long it was. It was several months. On Sunday morning when I got through preaching, Magdalena come up to me and says, Pastor, I'm going to be gone for I don't know how long. 
I said, well, where are you going? She said, I'm going, my daddy, my mom and daddy, and my family lives down almost to Chile, which is a long ways from Lima, Peru. She said, there's no church there. Says, I got to go tell him. I said, well, we can't ordain you. That wouldn't be right. But you have my permission. She said, you got any of them tracks? I said, I sure do. And I loaded her down with tracks. And she took off. She was gone a week or two. Sunday morning, she was there in front of the church, and there was a man with her. Wasn't Ricardo. It was an older man. And I got out and uh, spoke to Magdalena. Glad to see you back. We missed you. I said, who is this? She said, that's Daddy. I said, well, good. How long is he going to be with us? Until he gets saved. I said, okay. I don't remember how long he was with us, two or three weeks, before he come down the aisle. Well, in a week or two, there was another lady come and a teenage daughter. Older teenage, not a young one. Magdalena, who is this? That's my mama and that's my sister. I said, well, good. How long are they going to be with us? Until they get saved. I could stand a few of people like that at Stockton. Amen. Time went on. I don't remember how long it was. Magdalena come to me one day of grinning. Said, you ain't going to believe it, preacher. I said, what? said, Daddy is inviting people to his house, and he's preaching. I said, get back, Jack. <laughs> hey, glory to God. That's how it's supposed to work, folks. When God saved my unworthy soul, the first people I thought about was my mama, my daddy, my brother that was here the other night. I knew they was lost because I lived in the same house with them for a long time. And I knew they was lost. And if I caught one of them by themselves, now my daddy was a deacon in the church at Stockton, but I knew my daddy. My daddy didn't drink. My daddy didn't smoke, chew, nothing. I never heard him say a curse word in my life during his days. But I knew my daddy was lost. I witnessed to him, but I'm, it's hard to witness to your parents. They still think you're about knee high and you don't know nothing. And my mama, she listened, but she wouldn't do nothing about it. Daddy was in church. But he wasn't hearing the gospel. Due process of time, daddy got saved. 
due time, I was pastoring here, as a matter of fact, not in this building, the other one, when Mama got saved. And I tried, we had a baptistry in the other building. Yeah, we did. And I tried to get her to let me baptize her in the baptistry. The water would be warm. You'd get right out and change clothes and all that kind of stuff. I ain't going to do that. I'm going to the Lapahaw River. Okay, mother, let's go. So we went to the Lapahaw River, and I baptized. My brother Smitty, hard nut to crack. Oh, boy. He was with a gospel singing group, and they were very, very good at it. But I knew Smitty, and I knew what kind of life he was living. And every time when I started back to Peru, the day, usually the day before we drive to Jacksonville or Tallahassee or wherever and catch a plane to Miami and then on to Peru. I would go by Smitty's house. I love my brother. I'd go by his house and witness to him. I'm going to take care of it. I said, well, you're running out of time. And leave him that way. Go back to Peru. But something happened along the way. And he got saved. Everybody in my family are Christians. I ain't talking about has-beens. I'm talking about they're Christians. Smitty can't talk. He's had a tremendous stroke. He's paralyzed on his right side. He don't miss church. And every once in a while, I'll see him back there. His left side, he can use pretty good. I see him doing that at me. And I know he's saying, amen, Carlton, go ahead. <laughs> don't let your family. Cornelius got his family together and brought the preacher to him. Cornelius is Friends, Cornelius got them together and they got saved. If they're a friend, really, it's worth your time to talk to them. Don't be ugly, just talk to them. Amen. Tell them what you got. Well, I don't know how to witness. Tell them how you got saved. Amen. What day of the week it was, what time it might have been, et cetera, et cetera. How God dealt with your heart. If it's good enough to get you to heaven, it's good enough to get them to heaven. Don't, don't, don't go to hell. Don't let nobody go. You say, well, I can't stop them. Yes, you can. You want to see all my prayer lists? How many lost people there are in here that I'm praying for every day? Wee hours of the morning. Wee hours at night. God, I've got a deal with God. I made a deal. You wake me up, I'll go pray. You might not want to do that. 
But if they're worth a friend, their friend or loved one or whatever, it's worth praying for. Not one time. Keep on praying for. I got Bukulu's the name. If you want some, Bukulu. This is my emergency people. Just lost two of them. Two of them died, but they were saved. God loves you. God loves them. Amen. Amen. Don't let nobody go to hell. Do whatever's necessary. Some people are just waiting to hear what happened to you. I have that question all the time. See, I'm pastoring in the same little county where I went to high school and all that kind of stuff. And pretty well know a lot of, a lot of people. And some of them my age or younger play ball together. Carlin, what you got? Well, I became a Christian. Oh, fooey. It ain't what you say fooey about. It's real. It's real. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your attention. Easy church to preach in. Thank God for it. Remember Magdalena. I could give you a list a mile long. But as far as I know, she's still alive. The last time I checked. And I know what she's doing. She's setting an example for me. Go get them. Bring them in. Thank you, Lord, for these days we've been together. Thank you for the, the love that, that is shown through this church. Thank you for the attentiveness of the people. Lord, help them to see I've been preaching to Carlton. Help them to see, Lord, how they can be a witness, how they can see people saved. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.